This podcast is brought to you from our friends at Tincata Protective Fabrics, Emergency Networking, MagnaGrip, and IFSTA. Welcome back to another episode of Main Street Firefighting, a podcast by Fire Engineering. My name is Lex Shady, and with me is my partner, Chris Tobin. Before we get started, we'd again like to thank Fire Engineering for the opportunity and you all for tuning in. Tonight, we're joined again by Chief Pernesti with the Elyria Fire Department in Ohio. Chief is a contributing writer to Fire Engineering, former host of the Main Street Firefighting podcast, as well as the podcast In Their Own Words. He's also a co-author with Chris and I for the monthly Main Street Memo. Chief has a well-known history of studying the line of duty deaths and has put out some great information on building construction as well. Tonight, Chris and I talk with him on all things related to bow string trusses, specifically the Hackensack, New Jersey fire. We enjoyed the conversation and hope you do too. So thanks again, Chief, for joining us tonight. Um, I know we reached out to you about wanting to talk about Hackensack uh, because, as Chris said, when we were talking before we were recording, everything we looked at at some point led to your name and research you'd done on it. So um, we figured we would just go straight to you uh, to continue the conversation. So if you could just reintroduce yourself for listeners real quick in case they haven't heard previous podcasts for us, and then we'll get going from there. All right. Well, thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Joe Pernesti. I'm the fire chief in a town called Elyria, Ohio, which is in uh, northern Ohio, between halfway between Cleveland and Toledo. I've been on a job. I'm just getting into my 35th year. So I've been on 34 years and um, it's been a great career and looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. So um, we're going to talk about, uh, as we said, the Hackensack, New Jersey fire. Um, everybody kind of knows that as the, the bowstring trust fire. Um, we, throughout, I'm sure you've done the same, like teaching classes across the country, you'll get people start asking you about bowstring roofs. What do you think about them? How do you identify them? What are the risks? You know, what, what are your take on the stories we hear and all that kind of stuff? And our answer has always kind of been, that we don't talk about it because there is so much information to it. They are difficult to identify. It's kind of a class all on its own, right? So recently we were asked that question and it kind of dove us into looking at some of these fires, which then leads us to here. Has that kind of been your same experience? Yeah, and absolutely. And um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the Hackensack fire in itself was kind of a uh, linchpin for the the start of discussions of, of line of duty deaths, incident command, accountability, communication, so many things to a generation of firefighters. Um, and it, in my opinion, it, it also kind of uh, one way or another led to the development of NIOSH reports because in, uh, back in 88, when this happened, there was no NIOSH reports. And they came around, I want to say about eight or nine years later, um, but it was just that fire that when it occurred, it was so dramatic and so sad. And it, it just, it, it, it hit the fire service uh, and, and it, the rallying cry was to understand building construction, uh, all forms. Mm-hmm. And so it's more than just a, a truss, a bowstring truss. It, it, it was understanding building construction and fires effect on on that construction what i find interesting about what you say about that is i think maybe that was the reaction like right after but now when i hear people talk about that fire or boring trust in general it's almost like the opposite they almost 
don't understand, not even almost, they don't understand the construction of that. And there's just the general fear of if it's a any kind of arched roof, we're not going in it or on it, right? And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today is why there's so much more to take from that fire and why that's not always necessarily true. So so here, here's my question, Joe, is no one... We'll just focus on Hackensack, which is you know one of one of many um, that kind of had similar similar fire conditions and similar outcomes. But the question that I have is, I want to challenge not anything that happened on scene. I would want to challenge the legacy of that fire and it being like you said, it's too simplistic of a of a legacy for such a complex problem. So my question would be, is all things equal in a different Trust assembly, whatever trust assembly you you want, all things equal, does that same situation happen? And I say yes. What what do you think on that? Take the bowstring um, out of it. I think that the, you have to look at what kind of bowstring trusts. What are the trusses? Are they steel? Um, because there's several steel bowstring trusses. Correct. That and, are and, that, and that was and that was Wichita with the Ling Ling fire you know, in the, in sixties, in the 60 of 68, I think. Mm-hmm. So that was another arched roof steel, similar situation. Um, so, so yeah, now we have a pattern here, right now. Now we, now we can link a couple of things together. We have a, com- a combustible truss space. We can call it a truss loft or whatever you want to call that, whether it's inaccessible or not, you have storage in that area that's on fire. And then you have about a 30 minute time, period of free burning to where the water is not getting on the fire for whatever reason, whether it's delay in dispatch, um, delay in calling down one or just delay in access of the water application. So like, once you realize all that, I mean, like my, my question is, is like, well, how, that's, that would happen regardless of any sort of yes. arch roof, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. And I think though, the one thing that might be a little different with the bowstring is you know the bowstring trusts at least in my area if you work in an older midwestern area like like my town um before there was the walmarts or these massive amazon distribution centers you had a old chevy car dealership Mm. or a body shop and you needed a large area to bring these vehicles or, or whatever you had into an area where you couldn't have any columns. And so this is where the bowstring came in handy because it was able to span large areas. Well, I think you, you, you have to be able to identify what kind of construction of that bow? Because we all know most of your listeners should understand, or not to, to beat a dead horse here, is that you know once the arches, one's in compression, the other's in tension. Mm-hmm. That's why they call it a bow. Right. Um, and if if you lose the element of its intention, uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna fail and it's gonna bring down that roof. Uh, the other thing is is that. Um, these buildings that these trusses are in, these old body shops, these old car dealerships, there's storage in there yeah. that, that it was, you could walk literally from boat, from trust to trust. And think about that in today's, uh, you go somewhere and you hear the word trust 
or trusses. Okay, let's just take a simple house. If you have a house that has trusses, for the most part, you don't have any storage space up there. The trusses are up there and you don't have it unless you try to make something. Well, in a bowstring, it was created and well, it just made sense, especially in the wooden bowstring with the lattice, uh, kind of a, of a picture of a lattice uh, between the, the, the arch and, and the, the bottom cord, you can make a door and you could walk from one end to the attic or, or cock loft or whatever you want to call it, from one end to the building to the other through little doorways that are in these bowstrings. And that is something that you don't see. And they don't do it. They don't make them nowadays. Well, you could have storage up there. Well, that just leads to the weight. And in these collapses, that also led uh, that was a, a big part of the collapse was the amount of weight and storage that was up there between these uh, these trusses. Right, right. And so, and that's the thing, right? Like you start reading through this and you're like, well, this would have happened regardless of a bowstring or any other arch roof. Like the thing we should be talking right. about is like combustible storage in a combustible yeah. truss space. That's what people should connect with Hackensack. And the other thing and, to keep in mind, too, is how wide the span between trusses are in these it, buildings. And that's the other big thing, right? In, in the form of yeah. collapse. Now you got to, uh, most of the time, it's like an average of about a 20 foot, 20 foot. you know, clear span or the span there. Um, so that's, you lose one truss. Well, now that's, that's 40 feet. That's 40 feet of roof. Right. Um, right. I, which I get, um, that's a significant collapse. But like, let, let's be honest here. Like, is there any... There's there, I mean, is there like any good collapse? Like if I'm under a roof, you know, like it's all bad when it collapses, right? Um, it, right. I mean, so I mean, like once again, like that goes back to like, how about I just you know, like trust roofs on fire in the trust void is just bad. Like regardless if it's a 40 foot collapse or a 10 foot collapse, like, uh, how about we just not be under that? Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. You know, the other um, thing you hear a lot of uh, talked about with these is the walls kicking out and killing the firefighters on the outside, which has happened. But in these major fires that we are looking at, it's the guys on the inside or the roof that are the ones at the risk. So, well, my the one thing I've always remembered for my mentor, Vinnie Dunn, yeah, is that he ex he explains that firefighters died three ways on a bowstring truss. And he's right. Um, and he describes three fires, one of which is Hackensack. But um, he says that firefighters can die under the truss, which basically happened in Hackensack, on top of the bowstring truss, which happened in New York City in 78 at the Walbums fire. And then outside, uh, inside a collapse zone, which happened in Cliffside Park, uh, New Jersey, mm -hmm. where uh, the, the the members were in an it was a bowling alley, mm -hmm. and behind the bowling alley was a narrow alley that you would find on Main Street, and the crews had stretched lines into this alley as you would at any other good working fire. But what happened was uh, when when it collapsed, it pushed the exterior wall out. 
on top of these firefighters. And it would have been like the C Charlie side wall because some bowstrings will have uh, like a support that will run um, perpendicular or not an angle, I guess, mm-hmm. from the last bow to the outer wall, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and your and when ones, that bow collapses, yeah. it pushes out that wall. Sure. Yeah, it's not, it's not just like a, like an arch, like I guess what you would consider like a, almost like a gable wall. But I know what you're talking about where it tapers out at like a perpendicular angle. It's like an extra bridge yes. yeah. at the end. Correct. Yes. So, yes. so yeah, that makes and sense of why it kicked there. out. Yeah, it kicked out that C wall. Not not people would, would think it would be a BD, but it's not. In that case, it was a Charlie side. So correct, correct. I I think the big thing is that we should probably really touch on it. If, if I'm a younger firefighter listening to this or trying to understand building construction and how it affects firefighting, it's being able to identify what you have before the fire and, and try and try to understand that construction and to be able to look at it, maybe take some pictures with your phone and then go back and do some research on it and truly see, because these are very common in on the West coast also. Oh, they're, they're everywhere. And you'll see it. Yeah, they're everywhere. And, but you would see that in LA or in larger cities out West, they'll go up on these roofs and they'll cut them. Mm-hmm. They'll cut them. Uh, because they understand there there might be some differences in, in the trusses there. You know, you could have some very thick, almost like a heavy timber mm-hmm. type of, of truss. You, you just sure. have to understand that there are many different types of bowstring truss assemblies. Um, so and that's the thing, too, is that the, the hazards change depending on the situation in the fire. Right. So, like, we'll take yeah. wobbles. We'll just start from earliest to to. to you know, latest. So like you take wall booms, that was more of a, like a double concealed space at a, a rain roof, a roof over element on top that was concealing fire. They had drop ceilings and tin ceiling below it that was concealing fire. So that that's a totally separate hazard, right? That then, then Hackensack yes. and Hackensack now was once again, can, you know, it was a, it was a trust space. That was, that was the fire origin of the fire. And so, but it was accessible, right? I mean, there was a, it was a fully fledged second floor. It wasn't like there were scuttles, but that's there was an actual stairway. There, yes, so there was a stairway. Correct. I think so, at, at Hackensack, there correct. was a small stairway, but then there was two scuttles. Right. And in fact, one of the scuttles, uh, you could they were trying to access with a ground ladder. Mm-hmm. Here's here's something else that I think why Hackensack. Uh, is still so, uh, or, or we bring it up or we talk about it, and we should, we should, no doubt, just like the 23rd Street fire mm-hmm. in, in, in New York, is because to me it was the first fire that was, uh, obviously it was before social media, but it was recorded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. It right. was video. It was videoed. I, I challenge anybody to find any earlier video of a uh, catastrophe in the fire service that was as long of a video and again they there used to be these things called american heat that Mm -hmm. would you would buy these or rent these tapes they would send them to you that's how you learned i know people are probably thinking what the hell is he talking about but but it was the first fatal uh, line of duty death uh, event 
that was captured, in my opinion, that was captured and disseminated across the country to firefighters and firehouses everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's how it became such a big, in my opinion, event or something to study because every firehouse in America could get this tape and watch it. So after the fire, when that happened and that was sent out and people were studying it, were people talking about more than just the fact it was a bowstring trust? Did they talk about the fact that the fire was, you know, in a concealed space and they had issues accessing it? For whatever reason, they didn't go up to the second floor. They tried to access it through that window. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Did they talk about that, or did they just focus on the fact that it was Bowstream? Because I think that's, I think that's where we're yeah. at now, and I think that we're doing it wrong by just talking about the fact that it was Bowstream. Yes, so yeah. I agree. Um, I would say that as a member of the fire service that came on right after that event, I came on about less than a year after that event. And what was happening across the country or was happening in my fire department was probably happening all across the country was first off, you you also didn't have a lot of material out there. there. There wasn't a lot of literature or books being written or, you know, it was, you, you could get maybe firehouse fire engineering, uh, but a lot of books, even the books written by Vinnie Dunn hadn't come out yet, mm-hmm. or they were just his first one, Collapsed Burning Buildings for Safety and Survival on a Fireground, were just starting to come out. Other than that, you, you had Brannigan's book on building construction, but that was very dry, mm-hmm. and right. firefighters just didn't quite they didn't get into it. They didn't think about it like we do now. And so when that event occurred, it was a big dash by progressive fire chiefs back then to say, we need to get people in and, and, and have them teach building construction. And that's what happened. And a lot of it was based on, well, bowstring trusses are bad. And then it transferred into, well, trusses are bad. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was how it all started. But yeah, you're right, Lex. It was, okay, we got to get a class on building construction. And you either got out Brannigan's book, which was a heck of a lot different than Brannigan's book today, Mm -hmm. or it was just very dry, very little pictures, and nobody wanted to read it. Um, and, and it was before PowerPoint. (laughs) So, I mean, it it just, but there's still lessons. Mm -hmm. Sure. There were still lessons. Yeah. And and that's the thing too, is, um, you know, like, I mean, we we go everywhere now and, and everyone is, you know, I would say Hackensack is the one fire in the fire service that everyone for the most part can, can name as far as you, you cite like a building construction reference. If you say, you know, yeah. Name the name the fire, like you know, name the fire that we learn, you know, about bowstrings, and they can say hack and sack or mm-hmm. something like that. Which is which is crazy, right? Like this this fire went so far, and there's so many other fires that like have never made it that far. Like you just mentioned the 23rd Street fire, or just like the civilian, like Coconut Grove, right? Like if I say that, you yeah. should be able to say like interior furnishings. If I say the Iroquois Theater, you should be able to say Panic Hardware. But like 
how many people have no idea what those fires are? You know, our, you know, our Lady of Angels, Transom right. Windows, um, right. that kind of stuff. But like, if you say Hackensack, the whole room will know exactly what you're talking about, which I think is is crazy that they're um, they're not talking about necessarily the wrong thing, but like we're definitely not talking about it in the right context. Like the last thing we want people to do is pull up and see an arched roof and say, I can't go in there. Well, well, actually, yeah, yeah, you can, depending on on what's burning, you know, like there's right. nothing inherently wrong right. with an arched roof, anything, whether it's a bowstring, metal or combustible. It's about is the fire in the the roof assembly did it start there and how long has it been burning right exactly and, once you and, get- and, and you, you have to know these things beforehand so when you have a class where you have somebody say oh yeah everybody understands hack and sack oh. well part of that mm-hmm. is Not that there are still some guys around mm-hmm. that like me who in the beginning of their career heard all about Hackensack. And so that was the easy one to spread to the, to the troops uh, that just keeps getting handed down, handed down. Uh, The other incidents that I think, like you said, to 23rd street or the coconut grove, there's nobody left, Yeah, but there's still important events. And when you open up a building construction book um, written in the last 25, 30 years, they're going to talk about Hackensack. Um, and, but you're right. You have to understand, you know, that, uh, like I mentioned, a body shop, mm-hmm. we have a couple different body shops in my town that are bowstring and one, there is no ceiling. It's just wide open. Mm-hmm. They do all the work and you look up and it, and it used to be a car dealership and now it's a body shop. Well, the trusses are wooden trusses mm-hmm. and, uh, with the lattice, kind of supports or and when I say the lattice, think of um, when you think of the, the cords, yeah. they're kind of shaped in a lattice, kind of a, a pattern mm-hmm. and that they're wide open. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology. Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Well, if you have a car fire in this body shop at 3 in the morning, I would expect my, my bosses to understand that those trusses are exposed because there's no barrier. Sure. Well, then there's other body shops or car dealerships in my town that they have a lath and plaster ceiling that as long as there's no holes in it or the fire hasn't progressed and you, you it's all about size. Then, right. then you stretch the line and use the reach of a stream and knock it down. But um, but I don't want to be too simplistic because there's a lot of things that go into it. You don't want to go too deep into the into the building without, you know, right. water but, or but, you I mean, that, get but that's, caught behind. That's, that's the thing too, is like, you just kind of mentioned two examples of situations where I would feel completely comfortable. And as everyone should be with just doing the, the top side ventilation and an interior attack, right. Even depends on how progressive car fire is. Right. Um, right. So yeah, like right. even if there wasn't, even if it was just an open ceiling, 
uh, well, them, them trusses are probably 20 feet in the air. I mean, it's a car, it's a car fire, you know, like it's going to be really smoky. Right. Um, you know, maybe you, maybe you open the roof, maybe you send guys up, you know, um, that shouldn't be weird, right? Like that wouldn't be a weird thing to do. Um, you would definitely be more inclined to do that if there was a ceiling, right? There was some sort of fire proofish barrier built in there, you know? Um, but then that would totally change if you show up in the first floor is clear and you have fire in that void space. Absolutely. Which would be like the the wall bomb fire, right? Right. They got on scene. There was light smoke showing initially. They went in, they couldn't find the fire. They made multiple holes. Then they started getting heavy smoke and fire, but they still weren't getting access to the inside. That's a different story, right? That's when you want to get off and out from underneath of it. So, so then that brings you to another thing. Like I said, the changes, the, the challenge, the risks change with the conditions. So now everyone's outside. Everyone's like, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we learned from the past. Everyone it's defensive now. So now, but now you have to remember the Cardinal lanes fire. So now you're like, all right, well maybe let's scoot guys back a little farther than just one and a half times, you know, because mm-hmm. when this thing kicks out, it's going to actually kick out with some force. So once again, you know, depending on the the situation and when in the fire the situation occurs depends on the risks of that that bowstring present, right? It can present like you said, it could be from underneath, it could be while you're on it, and it could absolutely get you even when you're outside of it. So right. that's the big thing is to understand I, the whole package. I think though yeah, another thing that is uh, we talk about being smart firefighters and understanding is that if you have a, these are very common um, in bowling alleys or again, car, old car dealerships, not the giant, super huge built 10 years ago car dealership, but the older car dealerships that are in your town. This is where, you know, you, you have to be a nerd or a little bit of a student mm-hmm. to understand these, that if it's 30 or not more, more than 30, about 40, 50, 60 years old, chances are it's a bowstring. Or if it's an old bowling alley in your town, mm-hmm. chances are it's a bowstring. But like Lex was saying with wall bombs, there's another thing that you have to consider if that uh, we're losing this knowledge of is that, and they're common in my town. I can think of a couple that um, if you have a bowstring truss and it's leaking, the roof is leaking, mm-hmm. uh, you can, it, it costs a ton of money to patch up and fix and, re, and put a, you know, a, a repair a bowstring truss roof. So what do they do? They do what they do at Walbums or the couple in my town where they'll put a peak truss roof over top of that, mm-hmm. that bow. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. And at Walbums, that was more of a flat roof over yeah. top of that rain roof. But those are things that... I would rather when the subject of bowstrings are brought up in a class, I would say, yeah, okay, you're, you're right. And let's talk about it. But, but here are some challenges that you can take back to your community to learn about the bowstring that it's more than just bad. It's going to, you know, collapse. 
look at the overall big picture of what these bring to your town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so like now, you know, now that I've I've gone down the you know the rabbit hole as far as I could I could take it, um, you know, like I would say when someone asks me about what I think about bow strings, I would just say treat them like any other truss roof. Um, yeah. But understand when they collapse, it's going to be a much larger area of collapse, which once again, if you're, it doesn't matter. And, and right. I mean, if you're under it, you're under it. Yeah. Let's just not be under right. it. Right. So let's, right. let's back that statement back and just say, um, treat it like any other trust roof. How about that? You know, like right. if there's right. storage up there, it's going to do what it does on any truss roof. Um, if you don't put water on it fast enough and it's been burning for 30 minutes, it's going to do what any other truss roof does. Um, but then right. I, I would say the one caveat that would make a, an arch roof assembly um, more, uh, I would say um, a caveat to that would be when it does kick the walls out. I would say just the way the, the system is built, it's going to kick those walls out with a little more force. I, that's what I would say yes. that that that's what that brings to the table that you're not going to have in, in an, another type of truss roof. I think the other thing to keep in mind with these is obviously uh, the ability to read smoke is important on every fire. Right. Yes. But on these ones, especially. Yes. And remember, too, that these are large buildings. So what may appear to be like a small fire in a large building could be a large fire. So understanding what you're looking at when you're looking at it. Absolutely. And your tick. You know, if you go into these one of these old car dealerships or bowling alley or what whatever at three in the morning, you know, you may be able to be standing and they're like, well, it's not too bad and have a, a, a decent smoke condition above you. But you better understand that you could you could have a lot of fire above you mm-hmm. and you could have a lot of uh, a lot above you. And if you're standing, that doesn't mean anything right. because oh, there's yeah. so much space up there. Yeah, I, mean- I think the biggest um, Ooh, yeah, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Uh, yeah, I mean the the I'm video trying. from Hackens, the video from Hackensack speaks for itself. I mean that's clear as day through the until it collapses, right? I mean you can see clear through the 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 dealership, you know. I mean like right. Um, and then if well, you if you look at the Walvums no. fire, they had I think there were seven trusses in that Walvums fire, and they had the even ones drywalled or mm-hmm. or partitioned, yes. so they had that further they had a concealed space even further more cut up. Um, inside so i mean it's it, it what you were you're never gonna even with a thermal imager camera you're never gonna see that you're well, never even gonna know it's there and these are no. old right so it's obviously plaster and laugh there the wire mesh some of the the yep. plaster in these is super thick yeah, it was four inches four, thick, I believe. Yeah, yeah four plus inches thick so yeah you're definitely not going to see through that and you're also not going to have an easy time trying to pull it either so knowing uh, it's going to be p- impossible Im- well, especially with, the, with the ceiling height i mean you're, it's not yeah. happening yes it, i think that's what that's what the, the that's what i guess the takeaway from bowstring roofs assemblies need to be is fire in that area all right you're it's not happening like that's what we're, we're there's not going to be anyone up there, right? It's in right. as long as there's not like Hackensack where there's like a stairway. Um, if it's a concealed space, the fire is up there. It's all right. Like this is defensive. It's defensive. Like it's not negotiable, right? Um, right. And that's where I think the discussion needs to be more than just we don't go in bowstrings. <laughs> like that's right. that's not where it should be. I think you need to know ahead of time. I mean, we already always say this, but these are buildings. They're not residential. There's no reason you can't for the most part. They're not residential. There's no reason you can't get in them and to know yes. ahead of time whether or not you have access to that space. If you know that answer yes. before you even get there, then half of the questions are solved for you. Absolutely. If you have here's a tip to every 
younger firefighter listening to this, if you have a bowling alley or older car dealership or older body shops, uh, when I say older, ask. They've been around for a long time. You know, if they advertise and say, hey, uh, in my town, Murphy Brothers Auto Body since 1920-something. Okay, well, this building's been up. It was, it was built with a bowstring. And it was because that was how they would build a large span. Well, right there, you should put those things together. Sure. And if uh, that is what makes a smart firefighter. Plus, when you were talking about the roofs, you got to get a roof report. You, sure. you got to get somebody airborne in a bucket or on an aerial, uh, even if you're a little apprehensive as a, as a command officer to say, okay, well, I don't want to put anybody up there. Okay. Well, you better get some eyes up there, whether it's through an aerial or like I said, a ladder to say, what do I got up there? What kind of conditions? Well, you got heavy black smoke pumping out of every vent <laughs> and you look inside this building and it's like clear like Lex was saying you got a problem you got a major problem going on but you got to get some sort of roof report somehow some way you got to get eyes on the roof i think too you know for like you said younger people listening um find the report on the hackensack fire it's not difficult to find the actual report it's honestly a little easier to read than uh an iosh report it's pretty short and the takeaways they have and kind of explaining the fire and pair it with watching the video real fast if you really want to understand there was a lot more to this just than you know like we said that it was a bowstring and the takeaways they have were really interesting um just in some of their points they talked about building construction they talk about they reference different textbooks and which ones uh tactics that the fire department used i think it's a really good read and it kind of gives you a better picture of that fire yeah i mean and that's the thing is like this whole discussion um i have no qualms about the tactics necessarily because that's what was the norm for that time that was what the norm for was that department and they absolutely had a window of opportunity that it cites in the report they just failed to seize on. I mean, they the top side vent was literally perfect for about a minute. Um, right. it, it absolutely improved conditions for about a minute, a minute and a half. While that hand line was apparently going up the interior or the stairs to the second floor um, until that access was blocked or denied for whatever reason, that would have been a win. I think, in my opinion, they would have they would have put that fire out. Um, well, and I think they had that same mentality, but the, uh, the thing that gets lost in the hack and sack is that we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier is that, um, if, 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 if a firefighter were to ask me about it in class, we would certainly talk about the, the bowstring, but it's a good fire that you can take different approach to and say, Okay, there were some other things. There was communication oh, big time. issues, sure. radio uh, issues. This was before uh, Mayday became commonplace, but there was there was a huge problem with, with radios and um, older equipment and then accountability. And you just had uh, even this, one thing that we would laugh about now, but back then, there was a, uh, and it was in my department also, that there was a big moving away 
of two and a half inch lines to where you just had inch and a half inch three quarter lines and fire chiefs were going towards just large diameter hose and they were taking two and a half off of rigs or, or using three inch for, again for just supply. Well, in that video mm-hmm. and in the report, they basically take a supply line, a three inch supply line, put a nozzle on it <laughs> and are trying to mule this thing around to knock yeah. down fire. Right. It, there's a lot of things like that, that you can talk about that, that to try to not take the emphasis off of trusses and trusses are bad. Right. It's all the other things that it taught the fire service. And it also, we talked about pre-planning. Uh, it, it led to the first law what's called a trust uh, markings or trust signage law uh, in the United States that every building in New Jersey with some sort of trust roof or trust floor, any kind of trust in that was marked on the outside. So when you arrive, you see a placard just like you would a, an FPA 704 placard. Mm-hmm. You see a placard that says that there's trusses in that building and it's all from Hackensack. So I think that's also why Hackensack is still brought up to this day. See, now the only thing I, I like to challenge on that is that gives the that gives the message that trusses inherently are dangerous and that they're ju- they're just not. Like th- them sitting up there doing what they're supposed to do that okay, it's a trust, great. Like obviously it's not a flat roof, what the hell else what else would it be? Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Like let's be real here. I don't need to know. I don't need that well, to tell me. Right. Um right. once again though, if the fire is up there, um that that's bad regardless of what's holding the roof up, <laughs> whether it's a rafter or not. So, um, well, yeah. And I think, I, I think though it also, you're right. I think it, it also teaches that firefighters need to have less than a simplistic approach that you can't just say trusses are bad. Yeah, I agree. That, Correct. That, that they serve a purpose in architecture and construction, but, if they have heavy fire impinging on them and there's no protective barrier, you've got problems. And that's what you have to know. Right. And, and that's where I think that's the, the misconception. That's where there's a big disconnect. Um, and it really, it's unfair for the guys from Hackensack that are still alive today, right? Like, I feel it's disingenuous to just boil it down to bowstring like what that what does that even mean when you say that you know like you have to add the rest of the context to that you know like yeah let's let's talk about let's talk about you know trust assemblies under fire conditions for 30 minutes let's let's make that the message here you know so right or 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 failing to recognize that what it what fire will do to a trust that's unprotected yeah i mean yeah you know and and to, uh, to maybe, like we talked, focus on the size of the conditions on arrival. You know, the other thing with Hackensack that it, you, when you read it, it's always after the fact. In most line of duty death reports or close calls, you're like, okay, hindsight. But they had one of these exhaust tubes that you almost kind of like what we have in a firehouse that they would hook up the cars that they were working on. And they said that the top of the tube was burned and it burned the, the tube off. And then also a, a, a civilian driving a couple miles away or a mile away, whatever, uh, saw smoke coming out of the roof before the, the, the guys in the dealership saw it. So there was all these things that were kind of adding up to 
man, we got a problem. Yeah. We, we, got, we got a problem. Oh, I mean, the, I mean, the fire was stacked against the crews. I mean, just like I think Yingling back in the, the um, 20 years prior, I think they were moving cars out of the way before they even ever called yes. the fire department. So, right. yeah, it, it's that's the thing that people forget. You got to put these fires into context. Um, and then so once yes. you have that huge delay and then now you show up with an understaffed um, fire department in a, in a you know, a stressed yes. um, economic time. The 80s was not a great yes. time for any fire department. Um I think St. Louis laid off like every single one of its ladder companies then. So, right. Um, but uh, it, it was, it was You're just, right. Right. I mean, so like, yeah, you have to like, we have to really start to put this to see the whole picture. Any unchecked fire you have that goes for 30 minutes is going to go bad if it continues, regardless of what it's in. It's just more dramatic when it's in a bowstring yes. because yeah. of the large right, span. Right. And that's what it all, if you really want to make this simplistic, that's what it all comes down to. Those conditions in, in any right. type of a roof assembly, you pick all of them around, are gonna are gonna go south under thirty minutes of unchecked fire. It's just the way it is. And, and the one other thing that I I worry about with some of these lessons that um, the farther we get away from there, uh, from them that when they happen that you lose some of these things and you just, you, you're right. You just focus on that one little thing because uh, there are certain things that happened at that fire. Like you said, that's what they did. Yeah. Right. In my father's day and at this fire, it's, it's, you know, the chiefs were as much as I would love to, to climb a ladder in command of a fire and go check something out on a roof or follow the hose line inside as the boss yeah. command. You don't do that anymore. <laughs> and and it, I'm sure, well, it worked for hundreds of years, but you just don't do it anymore. Sure. And, but at that fire, the battalion chief, that's what they did. And, and, and you see him, you know what? No, and that's the thing too. Is like I don't think people like the, the fire chief. That people don't f people forget to tell the fact that um, those individuals were told to pull out numerous times. They were on the way out when it collapsed, and that he did not get it right. A, a runner, a runner chief. was sent in to actually go retrieve the crews because they were getting walked on on the radio. So right, I mean. The IC did what? Right. I mean, what else would you other than him going in there and, and grabbing the, you know, um, I don't know what else to expect from that individual. You know, like well, what else do you want? You know, good point. That good point. And it and it it's still to this day. So here's another lesson. To this day, when you listen to line of duty does uh, radio traffic or close calls or just any kind of where you had a, any any kind of event. To this day, we still have undisciplined radio chatter. <laughs> and at Hackensack, 36 years ago, 35 years ago, the battalion chief, his name was Sandy Williams, is on the radio telling all companies out, all companies out. But they didn't all hear him. Right. And that's, you know, I, to this day, you could have that. Yeah. You could yeah, have that. And you do have that. The, the report, you know, before NIOSH talks about communication being one of the biggest issues. And that's still something yes. we see in almost every report that communication is yes. one of the biggest issues. Yeah, I just, yes. I just think that like people think Hackensack and that the crews were ignorant. They couldn't they didn't fail to recognize. I'm like, no, that that's all false. Like that they absolutely the chief 
absolutely recognized yes. this wasn't good. They need to come out. Yes. And, and that yes. is so, I mean, yeah, you can't put this fire in that category. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they were literally on their way out. They were told to come out numerous times. So, I mean, I just that you can't tell the heck and sex story without laying that out there first. Right. So correct. Correct. Um, and, you, and you, and you have to know your buildings. We say it every single time, but it's so difficult. I will tell you this as a fire chief to this day, one of the most frustrating things is trying. I, when I was on shift, it was easier to just round the guys up, go take them to a building take pictures, do whatever. But as a chief now, I sometimes get stuck to my desk and it drives me crazy that I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're going to go look at this building or <laughs> I, I want them to go look at this building or I got to tell them about this building before I retire or something like that. It still has to happen. You got to get people out, but you have to have that energy to say, you know what, we're going to go look at this building today. Sure. And and we're talking bowstrings. So if you got a bowling alley, yeah. go look at it. If you got an older color dealership, go look at it. Yeah, gymnasiums. I mean, super common yes. in the Midwest. I mean, they're just they're in a lot. Of, I have yet to see a small town in the Midwest that doesn't have one or the uh, at least one, or in, maybe in, had one or, and it burned down. But um, yes, but but yes. you bring up a good point though that um, the longer away we get from this fire, um, it, you know the the story gets diluted right and i think yes. it's important to have podcasts like this your podcast you've done before with the individuals that were there and quite honestly there needs to be a, a full-fledged article written you know revisiting hack and sack you know there needs to be a i think an fdic class would be great you know like you know to to keep everyone focused on the right things so well, we don't just get lost yes yes At our last okay so i'm gonna give a plug to our monthly fire engineering memo. Mm -hmm. The last last month's memo, I talked about the 23rd Street fire mm -hmm. and a legacy tactic that, okay, so the fire happened in 1966. And you will have a firefighter say, well, again, what the hell do I, it was 1966. <laughs> what am I gonna learn from something that far? Uh, you know, my parents weren't even born there or whatever they could say. Well, the legacy tactic of uh, keeping a guy, a firefighter at the top of the stairs mm -hmm. still holds true today. And that is just the one takeaway that I got from that. Besides, obviously, you got renovations that still occur and, and all those things that, that you have on your main streets, the terrazzo floors, and again, another another podcast. But those are things that you can take away, and there's things at Hackensack that you can take away. Getting out, looking at it, making sure your communications are heard, uh, understanding, totally understanding fire's effect uh, on a trust and not mm -hmm. just sure. kind of painting a broad picture. Um, yeah, yeah, I tell you what, Joe, it, it was eerie. So I was in like my second or third day of like really getting into the hack and sack stuff. And uh, yeah, so he gets this fire that comes out in a laundromat with concrete floors. You know, it's been, it's been you know, mm -hmm. concreted over and it's in, a, it's in a type three older building. And it's a bowstring truss, and the fire is up in the attic. I swear yeah. to God, yeah. Um, and I was like, "Wow, is this is this happening right now?" You know, it was crazy. It was just it was just an attic area. Uh, it was a dryer vent that got up and spread in the attic. Um, but I'm like, right. "Wow, this is like this is crazy, right?" Like I'm reading about these these fires, and like here's this fire, you know. 
and uh yeah. very interesting so yeah i mean like it could i mean it could happen to anyone anytime you know and it was a little mix and like the not, 23rd street and right. like, it was like it was a mix of both you know so yeah, exactly yeah. and and that's how you put and become a, a a good firefighter here's the other thing too is that these bowstrings these older buildings they fall apart and they decay and what you won't find on main street too often is a truss, but you will find bowstrings on your main street. Mm -hmm. And in Chicago, uh, I think it was in 2012, they had a fire where two firefighters, I believe were killed, but the Mm -hmm. fire, it wasn't because of the fire. It was the, the age and the, uh, the, the, decay mm-hmm. of the bowstring trusses mm-hmm. through sure. the years yeah. that led to that collapse. I mean, they had a fire in there. Don't get me wrong, but they had the fire under control mm-hmm. uh, when that collapse occurred, I believe. Yeah. 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 It, it was well, it was, yeah, it was in the overhaul. Um, yeah. That we, we know some, some friends that talked to us about that fire. Yeah. All, all true stuff. Um, it wasn't like the fire conditions. It wasn't anything like that. Correct. It was overhaul. It was, it was, it came down later in the fire and that's what people don't realize. And that's why it's super important to understand. Like when we say like legacy construction, I, I like that word because that implies it's been aged. It, the building is yes. aged and, and all the stuff that comes with aging, the rot, you know, the rust, yes. the weakening of the members. It is implied when I say that those things exist in the system. So um, that's Absolutely. why that's why I like that definition. That's why I, I don't think I'll ever get away from using the word legacy. No, no, not. And you should. I don't that's, need to put I don't need to put a year to it. I don't need to necessarily put a timeline to it um, or no. like I just, you know, I say 19, before 1940. That's just what I kind of say. But when, right. I, when I say I mean that like if if I say a legacy construction, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about something that was built in 1992. You know, a lot of people struggle with that because they want a more specific definition. But we're trying to more convey a, a concept and a condition of a building. And we don't care exactly well, what it was. Yeah, I think one day you're going to have to because you have to think when you're talking, think about this. You're talking to a 19 or 20 year old firefighter and you say legacy. Well, I hope they don't have to look up what the word means, but, yeah. um, but it may have a different, you know, something 10 years ago or 20 years ago, mm-hmm. they may think of as legacy. Right. So, you know, we, we do have to, I, I do like the term legacy, but then I think that as you get younger, younger audiences that you have to explain that legacy and you do have to, you have to throw something out where they can go. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I guess, I guess to to look at it from a different standpoint, uh, that's going to be a sliding curve. I say 1940, I say 1940. Well, 50 years from now, it's going to be, you know, 2000 (laughs) or something like that or 1980. Right. You know? Um, Right. And, but these legacy buildings though are still going to be, standing probably yes. they're falling apart might tell left right. and right yeah so yeah if you but, live in the rust belt like uh, you know you and i do if you work in the rust belt then yeah the buildings aren't getting newer you know the mortar is no. not getting replaced um right so so yeah i mean that that is a definition that's why also i don't like putting a hard date on it or an era because it does need to move the legacy term, yes. term needs to slide you know with the time so, I mean, what, what is a hundred years from now? What are these, 
lightweight thing is going to look like. I, that's who knows. You know, right? Uh, you know, they're right. not they're not going to be standing after eighty years. <laughs> they're just not. Probably not. So probably and, and, not. And unfortunately, right. I think a lot of us already know this subconsciously, but the, we are going to see a massive amount of collapse, injuries, and fatalities. We're gonna it's it's gonna hit the fire service hard. Um, they're they're all just gonna fail like the the big building booms of the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna it's they're gonna age out, and I think you're gonna see that right. across the country. Um, unfortunately, yes. because I mean that's that's just how well. It, it works. also might be cheaper to bulldoze um, the uh, auto zone that was built in two thousand and five, and thirty forty years from now, you want to put something on its property, it's vacated or whatever. It's going to probably be cheaper to tear it down because of the cheap materials that are built in than uh, an auto zone that was put into a, a legacy building built in 1902. Yeah. You know, I mean, you good point, you know, and maybe, maybe they, maybe they do that. Maybe they, you know, they avert that, that happening, right? Like they can just get rid of them. They can right. just swipe them and start over. Um, hopefully that's the case. Right. Because yeah, the, right. 100, the 150 year old brick building, I don't think is going to, uh, that's not, that's not going to be a thing with, with, in the next century. Right. Like that. I don't know what happens with these lightweight, um, stuff that's right. that's you know I, I, and 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 these these legacy buildings are still burning down oh yeah they're still attached you're losing blocks after blocks <laughs> and and um you never uh i mean i know we kind of gotten away from the bow but the uh, bowstring but you never hear um you never hear uh right aid fired uh sends the downtown or whatever it's it's the main street fire uh goes on for days and days in the newspaper of it being so sad and challenging for the community and all this and that when you burn a building down that's 10 15 years old it's sad to the owners and hopefully nobody gets hurt but you bulldoze the thing and you gotta you lose a main street oh yeah It, it, it cripples your your history of your city yeah. And yep. I mean, so and, you're starting and, and, to like kind of hit on like a, what's starting to become more of a prevailing topic now is kind of like these composite newer rehabbed main streets. Right. To where like, we'll yeah. say there's 10 buildings on this small town and maybe like, you know, four or five of them are like been re completely gutted and rebuilt. Right. So now you have like this weird conglomerate of like old new. Right. Um, right. That still appears old. It's all this. It all still has the same optic, but the building instruction is from two separate centuries. So, right. um, and that's it's only going to progress. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, right. uh, yeah, I mean, and that's something that really needs to be talked about. You know, it, it is starting to be more talked about, but, um, yeah, like that's yes. something that's happening. Right. That's kind of the, I think that's the future of main streets in general. I do too. So. I, I think that is the future. And the key is, Obviously, knowing your buildings in your your district, there's just no excuse not to. There really isn't. No. Well, Chief, again, I really appreciate your time coming on for this today. I think this was a good kind of recap on some of the old fires. Um, when we throw this podcast up for listeners, uh, the Chief has graciously... Uh, I'm going to share some of his information. So if you want some more um, research or uh, some more resources out to kind of study some of these fires that we referenced today a little bit more, maybe you haven't heard about them. Um, in your fire academy, you're kind of newer, or you just don't want to refresh, kind of get your own take on them. Um, he shared that with us. So if you go to the fire engineering website where the blog or the uh, podcast will be posted, we'll share that information with, y- 
with you there. Um, so again, Chief, we really appreciate that for all the listeners out there. Um, just kind of wrapping it up, any last kind of thoughts on the conversation? I think we all hit it pretty well. Um, basically, you know, these are something to keep an eye on, but not necessarily something to completely avoid. Understanding how the fire is affecting them, reading the smoke on the scene, and uh, kind of taking all those cues in when you get there. Absolutely. Take a deep dive, uh, spend a half hour to an hour really researching some of these older events, or I shouldn't say older, these these, these line of duty deaths, because you, you still need to honor uh, the brothers that, that passed in these by paying it forward and, and not, not to let them, their loss be in vain. So uh, keep it going. Absolutely. And thanks for having me. You guys are kicking butt out there. Keep it up. I'm proud of you both. Oh, th- thanks, hey, Chief. thanks for all your research on the subject here. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Main Street Firefighting, a podcast about fire engineering. We hope it was worth your time. As always, if you have questions or a topic you'd like to discuss, please reach out. Until then, stay safe and have a good night. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com.